Well, tonight we want to continue our series that we're calling The Blessed Hope. And our key verses are Titus 2, 13 and 1 John 3, 3. And uh, tonight we want to speak in particular about the Great Tribulation, the relationship of the rapture to the Great Tribulation. And let's read our key verses that are part of this study. And you'll see there in Titus 2, and uh, I picked up the little phrase from verse 12 where it says, we should live, and that sort of gives you the context here, but we should live looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it's always important for us to remember that we're not looking for an event. We are looking for a person, uh, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that also in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Uh, let me just read these for you, and you'll notice the personal pronouns here. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. You remember there were two major questions uh, to be answered in relationship to the rapture. First of all, when will the return of Jesus be in relationship to the millennium? And we looked at that last Wednesday night. And tonight we're going to look at the second of those questions, which is this, when will the return of Jesus be in relationship to the Great Tribulation? Jesus and the New Testament uh, speak of a period of time called the Great Tribulation. And uh, we see this uh, in Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22. Jesus speaking these words, you can see the letters are in red there on the PowerPoint. It says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And so Jesus here speaks of a period of time known as the great tribulation. He says there's, there will be nothing like it uh, before, nothing like it after that time of the great tribulation. And it's such a, such a um, cataclysmic time, he says in verse 22 there, that unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And then in Revelation 3.10, there's a verse here that's, that's related to this same time, I believe. And again, the words are the words of Jesus. He says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And so... Uh, this is the words of Jesus to the church at Philadelphia, but he's speaking about here a time that a time of trial that will come on the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And so uh, I believe that that's directly related to uh, the time of the tribulation. Now there's other verses in the scripture that uh, speak about this time, and I want us just to see some of those. Most of the ones that we're about to look at are in Revelation. So if you have your Bible, if you would turn with me to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 6, 
is where we want to start here, verses 9 through 11. Now, Revelation 6, uh, starting in verse 9, and here it says, He opened the fifth seal. And you recall that these, as these seals are opened, that judgments are coming upon the earth here at this part of Revelation, which I believe is speaking about the time of the Great Tribulation. It says, He opened the fifth seal, and I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. And so here you have those that would be martyred uh, during the, the Great Tribulation. I believe that that's what that's talking about. Over in chapter 7, I think that becomes even more clear as you look in, uh, in chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. And so Revelation 9, Revelation 7, rather, verses 9 through 17. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then when one of the elders answered, uh, then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. And they shall neither hunger any more, nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them, and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes." And so here's a, a, a prophecy into the future about those who had come out of the Great Tribulation, those who had been martyred during the Great Tribulation. If you'll turn to Revelation 13, uh, in this chapter you have, the, you have a great chapter here about the time of the Antichrist on the earth. And uh, it, it tells here, uh, about his reign and about his reign of terror against the saints. Uh, it will be a terrible time for the saints of God who are on the earth at that time. And uh, you'll, you'll see three things in this chapter, in this 13th chapter of Revelation. You'll see a one-world government uh, spoken of with the Antichrist at the helm. You'll see a one-world religion with uh, the Antichrist being the one worshipped and a one-world economy. And that is because uh, 
the Antichrist will be in control and he will have absolute control over the economies of the world at that point. But if you just look at some of these verses, it talks about that one world government in verse 7. It was granted him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Uh, there's really almost no way to read that except with an understanding of he will, it will be a one world government at that time. Verse 8 speaks about a one world religion. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, speaking of the Antichrist whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And down in verse 12, it speaks about that some more. It says that uh, the, the um, false prophet will cause others to worship the beast. It says he causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the, the first beast, who is the Antichrist. He deceives those who dwell on the earth, verse 14, by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, and as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And so there you have the one world religion, uh, the Antichrist who is in authority on the earth, uh, demanding that all people worship him, and those who do not worship him uh, will be killed and will be martyred. And so this relates to those previous verses that uh, we've just looked at in Revelation and in the other chapters, the earlier chapters. And then it says in verse 16, he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. And then it says, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And uh, we know that that's, there's a great mystery involved in that. We do not understand exactly what that means to calculate the number of his name, and his number will be 666. But the one thing that is clear is that it will be a one-world economy. Uh, no one can buy or sell unless they have the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. And then in Revelation chapter 20, which we worked, we looked at last week, and I don't want to go back over all those verses again where we looked here about the millennium reign of Christ, but I do want us to, to see beginning in verse 4 where it speaks about those who come out of that time of the great tribulation and enter into the time of the millennium. Uh, verse 4, John, of course, writing, he says, I saw thrones and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so it's speaking there about all believers, those who have been believers throughout the centuries, throughout the Christian centuries, the Old Testament saints. All of these will be part of that first resurrection but it mentions here specifically those who were beheaded. 
And I mentioned to you last week that that, that word beheaded there is a word which came to mean uh, to be martyred in any way, not just to have the head chopped off, but to, to be martyred in other ways as well. And so these martyrs are those who refuse to take the mark of the beast during that time of the Great Tribulation. They will be killed, but then they will live again, and they will reign with Christ for a thousand years. And then one other place I want us to look just to see the Great Tribulation, how it's mentioned here in Scripture, and that is 2 Thessalonians. And look in chapter 2. And I want us to look at, uh, at some verses here where it speaks about the Antichrist and his reign and his demand to be worshipped uh, during this great tribulation. It says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, or the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you, and he goes on to talk about how the, the mystery of lawlessness in verse 7 is already at work. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And so this is something that will happen at the end of time. This is not something related to the events of A.D. 70 in Jerusalem. Uh, Paul is clearly here writing and prophesying about some events that will take place uh, just before the end of time because the person who uh, comes, this Antichrist who comes and is revealed, it says the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And evidently the folks in Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, they had uh, received some uh, forged letter that pretended to be from Paul saying that the day of Christ had already come, that is, the, his second coming had already come. And uh, Paul says, don't be troubled by that. It's not going to happen. The, the second coming of Jesus is not going to happen until this man of sin, this uh, Antichrist is, is what we commonly refer to him, until he comes on the scene, uh, the second coming of, of Jesus will not take place. And so all of these scriptures that we've just read, and we could go into greater depth about each one of them, but I wanted to just sort of give you a, a comprehensive list here of all of the uh, script, not all of the scriptures, but many of the scriptures in the New Testament related to the Great Tribulation. Now, there's also the, an indication in the scripture about the length of time of the Great Tribulation. There are several verses of Scripture that refer to a specific length of time, and they use various units of time measure, but they all seem to indicate that the Great Tribulation will last approximately three and a half years. Uh, Revelation chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, uh, you'll see two time periods that are mentioned there about the uh, Great Tribulation. Great Tribulation. 
Uh, one in, in verse 2, Revelation eleven two, it speaks about 42 months. And the, and the verse there is speaking about the time of the, uh, of the tribulation or the great tribulation. And then in verse 3, uh, it says that that time period will be 1,260 days. Well, 42 months, and the, in the Jewish calendar, there were 30 days in each month. And so if you go 42 times 30, guess what that comes out to in number of days? It comes out to 1,260 days. Revelation 12.6 is another place where it mentions the 1,260 days. Uh, Revelation 13.5, it talks about 42 months again. And then in Daniel, there's a very interesting reference to this, and I believe that it is also a, a reference to this period of time uh, which we call the Great Tribulation, which Jesus called the Great Tribulation. And it says uh, it, there that, uh, speaking of the Antichrist, I believe, he says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. And then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and a half time. Now, what does that mean? That's Certainly some mysterious prophetic wording there, but if you take a time and count that as one, and then times would be two, and so one plus two is three, and then a half time, and there it's, uh, it's an indication of, 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 a, of a half of these units. So you would have one, which is a time, two, which is times, and then a half time. So it's three and a half. And so again, the indication is that there will be a three and a half year period of time that the, would make up the Great Tribulation. Now, when we talk about the rapture in relationship to the Tribulation, there's three major views that are put forward. There's the pre-Tribulation rapture, uh, the pre-trib view. There's the post-Tribulation rapture or the post-trib view. And then there's the mid-tribulation rapture, or what is commonly referred to as the mid-trib view. And let me just give you a brief definition of each one of these. Uh, the pre-tribulation view, uh, the rapture spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 4, will take place prior to the tribulation. Those raptured will be taken off the earth and kept safe during this time of tribulation. And then a special note here. For those who hold this view, the rapture and the return of Christ are considered separate events. So there's a, the rapture of the church in the beginning of the tribulation, and then after the tribulation would come the second coming of Christ. And so they divide the, the second coming of Christ into two um, separate events. And then there's the post-tribulation view. And this is the view that the rapture will, will bring the great tribulation to a conclusion. Christ will raise the dead saints to life. They will be caught up along with the saints who are alive at that time to meet the Lord in the air. They'll go out, go up and out to meet him. And this will take place as he returns to earth to destroy the Antichrist and set up his literal 1,000-year kingdom on earth. And so that's the, the post-tribulation view. And then the mid-tribulation view, which uh, is 
taken on more popularity probably in the in the last century but that view is that the rapture will take place in the middle of a seven-year period of tribulation uh, they look at some other verses especially in daniel and they say that the tribulation the time of the tribulation will be seven years uh, they agree that the last three and a half years will be the great tribulation where god's wrath is especially poured out on the earth and they believe that those raptured will be taken off the earth and kept safe during this time of great tribulation and again a note here for those who hold this view the rapture and the return of christ are considered to be separate events now just as we close out tonight and i'm not going to get into the full explanation of why i believe in the post-tribulation rapture that's my personal interpretation of all of these scriptures as you put them all together and piece it all together to me the best uh, way to understand it all is in terms of a post-tribulation rapture uh, that christ will come back after the tribulation to establish his uh, thousand year reign here on earth but i just want to give you just a little preview of what we'll be looking at in the weeks to come because we're going to look at uh, Matthew 24 and 25. In the closing three weeks of this study, we're going to look at those two verses, uh, those two chapters, rather. And um, let me just read what Jesus said in Matthew 24, uh, verses 29 through 31. And just pay attention to the, to the careful wording here. Again, these are the words of Jesus. He said, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then here's what I believe is a description of the rapture. It says, And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And that's just uh, the Lord's description of when he will return in the rapture. And he will uh, call out his saints from the earth. And when does this occur? It says there in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. And so I believe that... Jesus' description of the Great Tribulation, he's describing things that will happen in sequence. And so when he says immediately after that Great Tribulation is when he will return to earth. And you can look in Acts 1.11. Uh, that's where the angels announced that this same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven, this was at his ascension when he left the earth and ascended back to the right hand of the Father. That was after his crucifixion and his resurrection and after spending 40 days with all of his disciples he ascended back to heaven and that angel announced and said this same Jesus who is so taken up from you will will so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven and so that was from the Mount of Olives and then in Zechariah 14 4 the scripture tells us that when Jesus returns he will return to the Mount of Olives and so when that rapture occurs the saints will be caught up together uh, to meet the Lord in the air, to meet him, but to meet him as he's returning to earth. And we will come back with him immediately 
uh, to the earth. There's no uh, seven-year period of time where we'll be, we'll be away from this earth or anything like that. We, we're caught up to him, and then we are caught up to him as he's returning to earth, and we will come back down to earth with him. And we'll talk more about that as we go through Jesus' teaching about his own second coming, which is there in Matthew 24 and 25.